You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Dear Saints of God, Merry Christmas again as we continue to rejoice in the Lord's kindness and mercy that He has made known to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. To understand that mercy better, we're going to study together now this text from Galatians chapter 4. I I think this might end up being more like a Bible study than a sermon because there's sort of, there's some layers that we've got to work through to get what's going on. There's some, some theological vocabulary that we need to know, and then there's a background picture that Paul is using to teach us And then he takes that picture and he twists it around and gives us three little surprises. So we'll work through it in phases. But hear the text again. Paul writes, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. A couple of things uh, as we get started. First, the idea of adoption. That's the main idea of the text. You are adopted as the sons of God. Every culture about has a way of, of adoption, going from one family to another. In our own culture, it's normally uh, when someone doesn't have parents or they don't have parents that can take care of them. Someone is a orphan, and so then they're taken in by another family or adopted. And that's certainly the case in the ancient world. But there was also a way that if there was a a large estate, a kingdom or a large estate, and there were no heirs to that estate, then the owner of that estate would adopt someone to become the heir. And that's really the idea of adoption that's behind this. It's uh, it's, It's not that you didn't have parents but that you have parents who are royal or parents who are rich. You're taken from one family into another, and all the debts and obligations and responsibilities of the old family are left behind, and all the debts and privileges of the new family are embraced. That's adoption. The other idea that's in this text is the idea of redemption. It says we were redeemed those who were under the law, and to redeem means to pay the price to get it back. I think the only time we ever really talk about redemption now is like at the pawn shop. You can redeem a coupon or something like that. But you know how at the, at the pawn shop how it works is you take your watch and they give you five bucks and they put it in, in pawn until you go and give them ten bucks to redeem your watch and get it back. You pay the price to get it back. Now, there's different sort of legal codes of redemption all throughout the ancient world. There's a very specific code that God gave to Moses and that is that you could be redeemed out of slavery, but there was conditions that had to be met. You had to be a relative of the person. 
And then you could go and you could pay the redemption price to the person who, who was the boss or the owner of your relative, and then you would set them free. But whatever it is, whatever culture, to redeem means to pay the price to set someone free from slavery. This means that when, when the Bible gives us Jesus as our Redeemer, it means that He paid the price to set us free. And the price, it's His own suffering, His own death, His own blood. That's the price of our redemption. So those are the theological pieces. Now there's one other piece that this, we need to make this make sense, and that is the picture of the of the household, or really what Paul is working with as the background of this text is the picture of the Roman estate. So you've got to think of a, of a wealthy, rich Roman who has some sort of palatial farm. And he's got the house there up on the hill, and he has the fields and the stables all around. He has his wife, his children, but there's also lots of other families involved in the estate. There's workers in the field, there's workers in the home, there's people doing work all around. In fact, the estate is almost like a little village in and of itself. There's people cooking, there's people farming, there's people doing working security, there's people, uh, you, you know, whatever, all around. And those were the, so there was the master and there was the slaves, the people who were working the farm. Now, the way they had it arranged is that the children of the master and the children of the slaves were all in school together. They would hire a tutor who would come and would live there and probably his own children would be part of the classroom and they would have a classroom on this estate. And as long as they were children, there was no difference between the children of the slaves and the children of the master. The tutor treated them all the same, gave them all the same homework, gave them all the same punishments, all the same rewards. There was no special uh, attention given to the children of the master. They were all thrown in the classroom together. And that's the picture that Paul is painting with the text. He says, I mean that the heir, that is the children of the master, the firstborn son of the master, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, even though he is the owner of everything. According to the will, this boy, the oldest, the firstborn, there in the classroom, according to the will, the tutor works for him. And all the others belong to him. But as long as he is there under the tutor, under the guardian, in the classroom, they are all equal. They're all the same. Though he is owner of everything, he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. The father would have a date which the son would graduate from school, and then he would become the master. He would take over the management of the estate. He would take over his ruling, if you would. But until that time, he's like everyone else. Now, what is Paul getting at? These children, under the master, under the tutor, sorry, under the coercive driver, the guardian and manager, that child, that, those children, that's you and that's me. And the guardians and the managers, the tutors, is the law of God. And the law of God is a harsh and rough teacher. The requirements in this classroom are ten, 
The Ten Commandments are posted on the wall. And when you don't obey them, this guardian, tutor, and teacher comes down hard on you. Punishes you. Afflicts you. And in the end, to carry this picture all the way, in the end, the tutor will kill you. Put you to death. As punishment for your transgressions. That is what St. Paul says is the life that you and I are living under the law. Slaves, not sons, driven, coerced, compelled, punished, harassed, afflicted, tired, weary, driven down until at last we die. But God beheld our miserable condition and worked a way for us to come out of this slavery. So, you got, so you, we've got the picture, right? You've got, because now what Paul is going to do is take this picture of this Roman estate and, and twist it three times. Give us three surprises. And the first is this, that, that this father has a son and this is our adoption. Paul says it like this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, do you see why this is a surprise? Normally, the reason why a a, a king or a ruler or some sort of Roman nobleman would adopt someone was because he didn't have a son. There were no sons available. So he would adopt someone else to be the heir, because it wasn't an option to have his own. Remember, this is how it was, remember, with Abraham and Sarah, and they couldn't have children, and God was complaining, or Abraham was complaining to God about it, and he says, my servant, Eleazar, is my heir. Well, Eleazar was the heir because he didn't have any children yet. And as soon as there's a child born, then Eleazar is no longer the heir. It's Ishmael. And then when Isaac is born, Ishmael is no longer the heir either. Normally, there's the adoption until the son is born. In fact, that's why there's all these old dramas, and you could read about this kind of stuff in Shakespeare, that there's a king, and he doesn't have any kids, and and his nephew is going to be the king until he has a son, and then the nephew better watch out. He's going to be taken out. Because when the son comes, normally there's no adoption. But God does it a different way. That when the Son comes, then there is adoption. We're sitting there as slaves until this one is born. And now, through the birth of Jesus, God has made a way for us to be adopted as His own children. That's stunning. Do you see that surprise? And it and it leads right into the second surprise, and that's how the Son wins our redemption. If you think of it, you're in class, and you're teaching, teacher is the law, and he's simply beating you down, now the Son of God joins that class. And unlike you, who were constantly breaking the rules and getting punished rightly for it, he keeps every one of them. He, he honors God above all else. He never blasphemes. He always keeps the Sabbath day. He honors his father and mother perfectly. He loves his neighbor. He's chaste. He's generous. He tells the truth. He's content in everything. Jesus is perfect in every way. And yet the law, the tutor, this classroom teacher, is 
used to simply beating down the students, that it goes beyond, he goes beyond his office and brings his punishment to this one who doesn't deserve it. He, he puts Jesus in the corner even though he didn't break the rules. He puts Jesus on the cross even though he never sinned. The law puts Jesus in the grave even though He did not, of all people ever, He did not deserve it. And the law oversteps His bounds. The tutor acts out of order. And in this way, He is removed from His office. The law no longer condemns you. The law no longer coerces you. It is no longer, you you are no longer under this tutor, this manager, or this guardian. You are set free from him because when he reached out to strike Christ, he reached out too far. And his rule is no longer recognized. Jesus destroyed death. He overcame the law for you in your place. You see what Paul says. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we we might receive the adoption as sons. And you are sons. So Jesus has destroyed the law by becoming a curse for you. By bearing your sins. By carrying your sorrows by being smitten and afflicted in your place. Now, we we want to be careful that we get this right. We're speaking theologically here, and when it comes to this, the gospel, the doctrine of justification, the law has no place. We do not stand before God by the law of God, but only, only by the righteousness of Christ. We are justified by faith and by faith alone. Now, The law does tell us how we ought to love our neighbor. The law does tell us even what our shape that our love for God looks like, but the law does not stand us up before God. The law, to say like, the law does not determine your inheritance. That's done by Jesus. He has redeemed you. He has sanctified you. He has rescued you. He has declared you to be holy and righteous. He has adopted you. Called you to be part of His own family. And this is, this is really quite a stunning thing because God, we remember, God the Father has only one Son. We, we say it in the, in, the, in the most famous of all texts that, uh, that, that God sent forth His only begotten Son, so that all who believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. His only begotten Son is Jesus. There are no other children. But now, by the death of Jesus, you become the children of God by adoption. You're called into His family so that God is your Father and Jesus is your brother. And the Holy Spirit isn't left out either. It says, because you are sons, this is verse 6, because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts so that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all involved in this work. And this is true for you. That God has poured His Spirit into your hearts. And this is the third surprise. The third surprise in the text. Remember I told you that that the even the 
son. He would be a son just like the slave while he was in school. But then on the day appointed by the father, he would graduate and he would become the father. He would become the master. When you, when you were adopted then, when you're set free, when you reach this point in your schooling to where you've finished the work, now you become the father and not the son. And yet, what happens when we pass this graduation mark? When we are adopted into the family of God? When we are no longer under the tutor? We do not cry out to our children, but rather we cry out to our father. We, we graduate not into being the fathers, but into being the children. God has poured out His Spirit into our heart. Look at how it says it here. God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Abba is like, it's the Hebrew word for, for daddy. It's what a little child would say to their dad. It's the cry of, the, of, a, of a humble heart to the Father of all creation looking to Him for help and everything we need. So that just because we are no longer under the tutor does not mean that we are masters ourselves. Do you see the point? But rather we have graduated to a childlike faith in God. And that's as far as we will ever get. We have been redeemed from underneath the coercion of the law so that we can look to God our Father with the simplicity of faith, with a pure heart, and say to Him, Father, Abba, Daddy, help us with the things we need. Rescue us from our troubles. Keep us in this life below and bring us at last to the life above. This is what God has done for you in Christ. He's redeemed you. Rescued you from under the law. Brought about the adoption, your adoption as God's sons. And given you His Spirit. Behold, John says it like this, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the children of God. And such children we are. So let's hear again this epistle text and rejoice in the Gospel here. Paul says, I mean that the heir, as long as he's a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he's under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons... God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God. Amen. And the peace of God that passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.